You are listening to the How to Talk to Girls podcast with me, Trip Kramer. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the How to Talk to Girls podcast. I'm your host, Trip Kramer from tripadvice.com. On today's episode, I am being interviewed by Alexi Turner. You might know her if you are on TikTok as Empress Collective. She talks a lot about female and male dynamics. And the reason why I'm being interviewed is because this is an actual recording for her podcast that she just came out with. And I was very honored that she asked me to be one of her first guests. And I said, you know, this is a really good conversation. We talk about a lot of stuff that I don't always talk about on my podcast, just new things, new, very unique questions that she has. Get ready to, to listen to this. And I said, can I put this on my podcast? And she was like, yeah, of course, no problem. So you can listen here, but you can also check out her podcast. I'll put a link in the show notes so you can check her stuff out. And I just really enjoyed this conversation and the interview I feel like we, we could have talked for for a much longer time, but we only had so much time to record the episodes. We, we go into male and, and female dynamics, and we talk about a lot of stuff that's not very PC, that, um, to be honest, it's it's at times uncomfortable to talk about, but some some real truths here when it comes to female nature and what men want, what, what women want, all that. So you're going to definitely learn some good things here. And you're going to even learn a little bit about me. So if you're new here to the podcast, you don't know much about Trip. I go into a little bit of my background and how I learned everything that I have learned. So yeah, just a great conversation, great interview. You're really going to enjoy it. And why don't we just dig in right now? Here is myself being interviewed by Alexi Turner. Check it out. everybody. Welcome to my new podcast. I'm Alexi Turner from Empress Collective. Today I have Trip with me. He is a dating coach for shy guys, as I see that that is your niche. And he gives a lot of amazing advice on relationships for men and for women. And go check him out. I will put his handles down below. And do you want to introduce yourself, Trip? Trip here from tripadvice.com. It's funny because, yeah, I do... I do say dating advice for shy guys. In a weird way, I feel like any guy has a little bit of shyness. So, I mean, I do help all types of guys, whether they are shy or not. I just found that the people who normally do need help are ones that are shy. And that's, you know, that's a big part of of being able to attract women. I'll just say real quick is that I feel if we were to magically, you know, give guys a pill that would take away all of their anxiety and nervousness. I guess sometimes that's alcohol, but um, you know, a magic pill that could remove that guys would basically know how to meet more women and it would be a lot easier, but it's hard to kind of get through that. So, but anyway, yeah, I'm uh, yeah, happy to be here. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for uh, joining me today. We've done a few podcasts in the past. I've been a guest on your show. So I'm really excited to be able to interview you today. And I went to your page and I saw that you had changed the title to shy guys. I don't know if that was there before. I didn't um, see it. So I didn't know if that was like the kind of men that you attract in, but that as I mean, yes. shy guys are the ones that re- really need the most help. Right. Right. So, um, so yeah. How did you start coaching men? Like what made you want to do this as a profession? So I was a former shy guy. And former, I called myself the, the friend zoned nice guy, 
which means that I always was labeled as the nice guy, which was not attractive to women. And then they would friend zone me. So I had lots of girlfriends in high school and in college and even into my early 20s, but I was never really able to understand how to attract them and how it all worked. So back in 2008, I took it upon myself to learn this stuff through anything I could find, whether it be things on the internet, books, learning about evolutionary psychology, learning some pickup stuff that was really popular back in the day, and just diving into all this material and then going out and implementing it at at ludicrous speed, uh, which means that I was going out every night for probably about two years. And uh, well, not literally every night. I was going out about four to five nights per week. Some weeks I, I was going out every night. I'd, I'd do like these little three-week stints where I'd go out and just talk to women and just break through my own crushing anxiety and nervousness. And I'm making it sound easy right now, but it was, uh, it was anything but. It was very hard. And it was probably one of the biggest growth moments of my entire life. I don't, I don't know if I'll ever even compare to such a growth moment, at least so far in my 37 years, just because I really pushed myself out of my comfort zone to be able to learn how to talk to women and meet women and attract women and understand it. So with that being said, I, I dove so far in that I became really obsessed with it all. Just the information, it was so interesting to me. It spoke to me. I love that I was able to implement this stuff. And then I just started to help other people, like other friends of mine, people that I would just meet and network with. And then I started a podcast with a buddy of mine not the one that I have now, an, an older one, which was giving dating advice. We called it Dudes Talking About Chicks. And we we did that podcast for about a year and a half. And that was the start of me wanting to give dating advice and make it an actual, an actual career. So that's what I did. And that, was, that officially started back in 2011. Awesome. And do you have a particular mentor or book that really stands out that you think men should check out or any piece of advice that kind of stands out that really impacted you? Well, there's different times, I guess, where I had different books that impacted me. So in the past about three or four years, so this is recent, but still one that was is able to explain on a biological level how attraction works is called The Evolution of Desire by David Buss. I've been obsessed with that book and, and still am and, and just reread things all the time. Just a great way to explain the mating strategies of men and women. Back in the day, though, when I first started, one of my biggest books, a very bestseller, you probably even heard of it, by Eckhart Tolle called The Power of Now. And that book was recommended to me from another dating coach that I was a fan of who's no longer a dating coach anymore. And, and that book really transformed my thinking of, of not taking life so seriously and, and making things such a big deal and living more in the present moment. And I think that was so impactful for me. You know, it didn't teach me how to flirt or talk to women, but it helped me become more relaxed and, and just living in breathing in the moment. So I could attempt the things that were hard for me. So those were two books that really impacted me the most, I would say. I like Eckhart Tolle. I read him the first time in college and a lot of it just went over my head, but I feel like that's one of the books that you could reread over and over and you get something different out of it. 
I've read I've read the power of now like three or four times at this point. And I and I'm I'm ready for another read soon. It's like a Bible. You just gotta keep reading it and really like letting it absorb. I love it. And you recently got married. How has your life changed from being a I guess single man to a married man? I think that I'm at the top of my game right now. I think that and I'm not saying this in, in an arrogant way, because I've worked towards this and and I've been through the hustle and I feel like I'm at the top of my top game. And I think one of the reasons because of that is because I have a great woman by my side. And I think a woman can lift you up or she can destroy you. And yeah. I know that sounds a little extreme, but I really, I really do believe that you're either with a woman who is doing all the things to make you your best version of yourself or someone who is really tearing you down. And I've been in both kinds of relationships so I know exactly how it feels to be torn down and also to be brought up. And, you know, the woman that I'm with now, she's a light in my life and she's encouraging and she's sweet and she's motivational and she's everything I would want a guy to have in their life. And again, I worked hard at that. I went, I've been through many relationships to find that lots of heartache, lots of breakups, lots of wrong choices and lessons I've learned from dating the wrong women. Uh, a lot of things that I do share with, uh, with my, my clients and such to help them find a great woman. But, but yeah, it's, it's really something when you have someone by your side, who's in your corner and, I'm not saying I couldn't do it on my own. I, I did and have built trip advice on my own for many years. But why I think I'm at the top of my game now is because I'm with someone who is a fan. Someone who on a daily basis, on a weekly, monthly basis is rooting for me. And that, I mean, th- that's everything, right? That's like, what you want. And you don't need to be building a business, by the way. Whatever you're doing in your career, whatever you're doing in your life, whatever your passions are, to have a woman by your side who supports that, there's something amazing about it. And I don't mean to get too um, psychological here. And this is just kind of like in theory and some of my theories, but there is a bond that we have with our mothers, right? So there's, there's a different kind of affection and feeling, I believe, that we get from a woman versus a man. And so I feel like there's maybe something there. It's like kind of reminding you of childhood, you know, when your mother hopefully was doing the right things to support you and encourage you, that, that feminine nurturing that really just lifts you up to a place where you might not be able to get to if, if you're on your own. So it's, uh, it's fantastic. I love that. I have several questions that have been just popping in my head as you were speaking. Uh, One of them is you mentioned that she is sweet. And I always say my ex from like 10 years ago, he used to always parent to me that men like sweet women, men like sweet women. And I find that men really do like sweet women. However, I've also seen dating coaches and men say that men like it when a woman is mean to him. What are your thoughts on that? I've, Never heard that before. <laughs> really? <laughs> they like it when a woman is mean to them. Because it creates a challenge for him to like oh. please her or something like that. Interesting. Um, so if a woman is kind of like, um, I don't know. Yeah, I guess if a woman, uh, if he does something for her and, and she's like not that impressed or something and wants to keep raising the bar for him, it creates a challenge for him to always be striving to please her. But I think it can be kind of... Um, manipulative or abusive, but I saw a lot of women saying that all of the 
men who chase after them are the ones that they're mean to, not the ones that they're nice to. So do you think that that's just men that are um, maybe traumatized in some way and go after? Could be. It could be. I wonder how sustainable that is. That's my whole thing. I wonder how sustainable that is. I'm sure, you know, avoiding all discussions of manipulation, ethics, morals, and things like that. I just don't know if that's something that's, that really would work for long term. Maybe, maybe. I wonder if that really would produce the best relationship or the best version of the man. And I wonder if a woman is able to strike that balance enough in that relationship to be able to, to do that. Because there's a fine line. I, I don't think that there will be a healthy relationship if she goes overboard with some of that stuff. Right. So I I, I, I've heard the reverse for, for, for men and women. I've heard when men are too nice, it pushes them away. And when they're more of a challenge, the women chases. You know, I thought about this because... I, I have had men that are like way too nice that have turned me off, but I didn't really like them to begin with. If I really like a guy and he's being really nice to me, then I love it. So I don't know if it's really a product of like, I just didn't like the guy anyway and he's too nice and therefore like it turns me off. Probably a combo of both, my guess. Yeah. Yeah. Because I definitely am not interested in a man who um, is unavailable because that's just torture, you know, especially for a woman who's like sensitive and uh, loving. You don't want to be constantly rejected by a man. I saw another uh, dating coach yesterday say that a woman shouldn't praise a man because when she praises a man, he becomes feminine and she becomes masculine because she's giving him energy. And I always thought it was, um, I don't think I agree with that. Yeah, you know, because I always thought that men operate from praise in a way. Like if you tell a man, you know, he gives you flowers, of course, you know, I love you. You're so amazing. Thank you so much. He was basically saying, um, yeah, yeah. what are your thoughts on that? I think men are a lot easier than that. I think that we, we thrive in praise and respect. What can happen is this, is kind of what I was alluding to earlier. Is I think if a man has enough of that kind of disrespect or, doesn't get that praise, I think that he'll leave or he'll be, or he'll be checked out and he'll try to get it somewhere else. I can, I can speak on that from personal experience, but I can also speak on that from many men I've talked to. So I feel like they're, they're going to need that. They're going to need that support. Now there's a difference between that and being needy. You know, if a woman is, being very needy for him, that can get very annoying, but that's not really the same thing as, you know, praising a guy. I think that they like that. I don't think that they're ever annoyed by that. And if they ever were for whatever reason, it's not because of that. Something else that's going on. Yeah. So do you think that marriage is important for men? (sighs) Ultimately, yes, I do. Ultimately, My answer is yes. However, or I should say, not however. With that being said, it is not easy to find a partner to have that amazing marriage. And it's a lot of work that needs to be done before, during, and after. So some guys, and there's a lot of risk involved, and some guys don't want to put in all that hard work to get that risk. 
I think there's something natural about being in a relationship and being with somebody. And if you can make it work, it will be a net positive for your life, for a man's life. And some people, I don't think, take it seriously enough when they're trying to actually go into this and try to make something happen. And that's kind of one of the things I talk about when I give advice is being very serious and being very deliberate with your dating and who you're trying to find and who you're trying to attract because it can go south and the divorce rate is over 50%. And I've seen time and time again, men get completely destroyed by marriage financially, mentally. It's absolutely terrible. But I think in the long run, if you want to put the work in and you know how to do it right, it will be great for you. And, you know, there's also a lot of studies that people don't really talk about that men actually live longer when they have a partner. Yeah. And, and I'm not really, I want to be careful with what I say here because I don't preach get married. I don't care what people want to do. I just care about the guys who do want to learn how to meet women. And those are the people I will help. Otherwise, I'm not really one to be like, you should get married. You shouldn't get married. It's really understand what, what the risks are involved, understand the, how to do it properly. And if you do it correctly, it will be great. I also know guys who, who do have uh, great lives without, without being married. I don't hear about it too often, but I've heard it before and I think it's possible. So that's kind of where I stand on it all. I remember my question now. So I knew it was going to come back. It always does. <laughs> so if you're married, you mentioned how we both kind of said that men like praise. Um, and you mentioned how a man will leave if he is getting attacked too often or ridiculed, or there's just a lot of stress in the environment. And the man will drama. check out. Yeah. yeah drama. Cause I know men hate drama. What if a woman is married to a man and let's say he's not being consistent with her or he's kind of acting up or he's just not pulling his weight in the relationship? What should she do instead of nagging to pull him back in? What are your thoughts on that? I think the opposite of nagging is coming from a place of, of basically coming into how you feel about the situation versus, Hey, you're doing something that's wrong. Right. So there's a difference between a conversation where I can say to you, Alexi, you just leave your dishes around all the time and I have to clean up and it's really annoying versus, you know, I've been feeling a a lot a very stressed lately because, you know, I'm doing a lot in work and in life and, And when there's a lot of dishes lying around, it just makes me feel very overwhelmed. Now, of course, a guy or a girl can can get defensive to both of those types of conversations, but there's a big difference between both of those. Yeah, one's attacking and one is um, how it's kind of making me feel and giving them the space to kind of create the solution. Yeah, or or like imagine like sitting down, okay, you've been married for over five years or you've been in a relationship for many years and you're getting frustrated quite often. You see that you want to bicker, you want to fight, 
you want to nag, you're feeling lots of resentment. So you're just all in your emotions. So this is not easy, but a better way to deal with all this so it doesn't build up, so you don't have this bank of resentment is to sit down with your partner and discuss what's going on in a really calm, soft way, bringing it all up and coming from a place of, hey, I'm feeling like I'm having some difficulty at times in a relationship. And it's been really tough for me lately. And do you know what I want ultimately? I just want the best relationship with you. And I think that we already have that, but I think there's room for improvement so it can be better. I'm curious, are you feeling that way at all? Okay, you are, cool. I think it'd be cool if we just talk about this and just let it out and try to do it in the most non-judgmental way just so we can get to the same goal, which is that we love each other and we want to have a great relationship. I love that. That's great. Imagine if that was the conversation versus the nag. Because the nag is easier. And also it just, the nag is being caught up in your emotions. Right. And it always comes out aggressive typically, or it's just like a ball of fire. I was reading um, How to Win Friends and Influence People the other day. Nice. um, An oldie but goodie. And in the beginning of the book, he talks about how you don't get anywhere with criticism and that people want to feel important. So if you can make people feel important around you and not criticize them, you'll get further with them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's true. And also back to something you said earlier, I just, I really can't imagine a guy, I don't know, not sticking around or being bored when his wife is super supportive and sweet. Mm. I can't even imagine that to be the case. You know, I just, I just feel like that's not, that's guys are easy like that. Yeah. And they don't need as many games. I think you, it's still good to be a challenge and we do like challenges, but, and, and, and a woman, and by, by the way, this is for, for both men and women, praise and all those things shouldn't just be given. Like it should be earned. Right. right. It's like, don't just say it. Yeah, Cause it, cause you know what happens flattery. is it just, it just becomes, what was that? Then it becomes flattery. Like it becomes just, um, not from the heart, but from the mouth, I guess. Exactly. And I think people get numb to it. It's like, okay, I've heard that before. It's nothing, it's nothing special. Right. right. So I think you can pick and choose when you give that praise. And if you really mean it, you know, if you have a partner, it's like, they just, they're sucking and there's nothing to praise them for. When, then we have a new problem on our hands, right? <laughs> That's very true. Do you think that men... Well, I guess, first of all, do you think that women are harder to please in relationships than men? Yes. Especially now, I do. Do you think women's standards have gone really high? Yes. I believe that the reason why dating is harder in 2022 is because of women Mm. and not men. I think men have always been the same and the things that have changed have been what society has been telling women. And so with that being said, women have higher standards. And it's interesting because you can say that to a lot of women and I've heard the backlash on it, 
they think that when we, you know, when I might say that to them or they might hear that somewhere that someone's telling them to lower their standards. And it's just about being realistic with what your standards are. I think any woman and any man should have as high, high of standards as they want. It doesn't matter to me. Have high, yeah, you should. You should have high standards. But the, the thing is, is are you going to get that? Are you the person who's, who's valuable enough in the sexual marketplace to be able to get the standard that you're looking for. So that's one thing. But um, with the higher standards in, in relationships and dating, I feel that women have been told that they can have it all and they should have it all without having to give anything in return, that they just yeah. are amazing as they are. And that I, I guess that's some decent advice for like building someone's self-esteem, but that's not going to really help you in relationships. Yeah. I find that a lot of feminine coaches teach this, that women are just, we're receivers. You just sit back and let the masculine just come and bring you everything and you don't lift a finger. And it's a, it's a little bit more complex and dynamic than that. And then another piece of advice that a lot of these women are giving young women is that you shouldn't build with a man. Now, I want your advice on this or your input on this because the men and women in my family, the men who became millionaires and really successful, they have been with their wives since their 20s. And they're still faithful, loving husbands and have traditional families and homes. And Napoleon Hill wrote in his book that men don't reach their potential, their full potential until they're in their forties or when they're married and devoted to one woman, because now he's not chasing all these women, but now he's focused on providing for his wife and creating a legacy for his family. So he's more focused. Makes, so makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah. So women are telling young women in their twenties, Hey, don't, don't date a guy if he's not successful yet, which leaves, I mean, a really small pool of men at that point, because most men in their twenties aren't going to be millionaires, let's just face it, unless they are born into money or in finance or in tech or something like that, and they do really well. So, And they also tell women, if you build with a man, when he becomes rich, if he becomes rich, he will leave you for a younger model. Now, I talked to my uncle about this, who is a millionaire, works with millionaires and billionaires. He's on the board of an Ivy League school, and he knows a lot of successful people. And he told me, I've never seen that never seen it. And I know it exists. I know, of course, it's mostly in like celebrity culture that that exists. But he said, I've never, I've never witnessed that before. Do you think that there's some truth to that? If you're, if you marry a guy when he's like still building his career and you kind of are with him during that time, and then he reaches a success pinnacle in his life. And then he chases some 20 year old. Cause I know that like people like Andrew Tate kind of say that, women who have the most value are, you know, 19 and 20 year olds. Yeah. I mean, I would have, well, here, here, here's one thing you can look at too. It's like a woman who is, well, a woman who's, let's say, I guess, 19 to 24, she has the ability, she actually has the largest pool of men available to her that she ever will have. So she doesn't have to be dating or getting married to a guy who's 25. She could be with a guy who's 30. 33, 35. So I believe that she can attract a man who already is into his, into his wealth. But I guess you're asking, is it like a risk for a woman to be with a guy who's, 
who's building. I would say it's probably, if I had to say, it would not be that big of a risk. I don't think it would be a big risk. I think that if you, it's all going to come down to who you are as a wife. I bet you a lot of those stories of the men who eventually leave their wives for someone younger and hotter, I guarantee that that current wife is not holding up her end of the relationship. I bet you they're not having as much sex anymore. Maybe she's nagging. Maybe she's wanting more than he can give. I can't really imagine. And again, there's exceptions. People just fall out of love and you change and you grow. And when you're 25, you have a different mindset and and values when you're 35 and 45. But I would say it probably would be on the woman who messed that up. Not, oh, because that's just not that's just not how we think. A guy's just not going to do that. Like one day is going to wake up and go, hmm, my relationship and marriage is awesome, but I'm just interested in something else. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like I, I can't imagine that really happening too often. Right. Do you think that men have become more feminine? Yes. Yes. And why do you think that is? My theory is every generation, well, you know, I feel like it starts with like the hippie movement and the baby boomers. And I feel like everything got a little softer as the generations went on. And everything got a little bit more sensitive. And I believe that we are just continuously being raised by parents who are instilling what they think is the politically correct way to act and behave and not necessarily the way that's going to get you the most results, which is causing not only uh, men being more feminine, but millennials and Gen Z feeling more entitled. It's like, why is that? Well, let's be honest. It was the way that we were raised by our parents. You know, for example, I remember I went to camp. I was the most non-athletic person when I was, you know, nine years old, just wasn't interested in sports. I have about like, I, at that time, I probably had about 10 or 12 trophies. So for what you may ask, nothing. Participation trophies for showing up. It is a thing. It is real. And it is absolutely terrible. It's like, I just got all these because I just existed. It's like, that's, is that really the, is that, are you really going to teach your, your son or daughter that that's how achievement works? Or are you going to think that you can just get things? And I think that that's causing a lot of men to potentially not be in their driven masculine essence. The fact that they can just, you know, just kind of float by and, and, and deserve the world. And, uh, and I think that with the increased political correctness that we're teaching, it's teaching men to be overly nice to the point where it's actually fake. Mm-hmm. And it's not teaching men to really have their own opinions. And, and we're teaching our children the politically correct way to teach how attraction works and not the real way. And, and it's not, I wouldn't just put it on the parents either. It's society, it's TV, it's the media, it's everything combined, which has caused these issues. Do you think people like Andrew Tate are helpful for men? Uh, mostly, yes. 
I've heard way, way more positive things come from his mouth and good ideas than I have negative ideas. And whenever I see something that could be construed as negative, it's usually taken out of context. And it's like a snippet of something and it's like, but I know it's not a snippet because I've listened to longer versions of it. Yeah. So it's very rare that I've heard like, there's nothing bad. I mean, he's, he's really trying to motivate people to be their best. Yeah. Well, he, he did make a comment that he wanted to become Muslim so he could stone a woman for cheating. And then he became Muslim. He actually converted recently. (laughs) I mean, here's the thing. He he does say some extreme things, so I'm not on, on the side of everything he says is, is perfect. Right. You know, and I think that a lot of the extreme stuff he says is for show, not to defend him. I just think that's that's why he's doing that. Whether he believes it or not, it's for show. But yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think I think he's got great things to say. I think he's helping men, digging them out of their little ditches that they're in and helping them become stronger. Right. Yeah, I, I have, I've heard a lot of things that I like from him. Some things not so much, but I think I like how disciplined he is, how he promotes discipline and hard work. And he mentioned the trophy situation. I was actually first in the nation for softball growing up. So I collected trophies for my, for my hard work. And I used to just like, look at them, you know, like this is the reward for all of the blood, sweat and tears, all the traveling I had to do and all of that kind of stuff. And I appreciated it. Do you feel like kids appreciate participation trophies or do you think it means anything to them or it helps them to some degree to strive more? Or do you think it's a moot no. point? No, I think, I think that they like it because that's, they're happy when they get that, but it doesn't really, it's one thing being happy, but it doesn't teach them anything. Right. Right. It's like you should get, I don't understand the point is a trophy is something you earn. Mm-hmm. And and that's going to build character. Right. I, I believe, I think I'm a very hard worker. I think I'm a hustler. I think I'm, uh, you know, very much in a driven mindset. But I do truly believe if I was raised a little bit differently, I'd be 10x what I am now, just mm-hmm. because of the way I was raised. I think that there would be a lot of other things that I might do and be able to accomplish if you know I didn't potentially get those those awards or earn those things. You know, and there's other and then again, hey, that, that's why we get grades, right? I mean, that's the whole point. Right. Were your parents soft parents? Like, were they the really kind? A mixture of both. Yeah. A mixture of both. I think I was definitely punished when I did things wrong. But then there was times when I did things wrong and I wasn't punished. Or maybe I was punished and I was like, oh, that was a joke. That wasn't that bad. You know, so what did that teach me? I can can get away with more. Um, I think there was, there was times when I quit things. And it's hard to say, it's, it's not black and white. You know, sometimes I quit things and my parents would be like, you're not quitting, you're staying with it. And there's other times where I'd quit things and they'd be like, okay. So it was kind of this mixture of both. And I feel like if it was not a mixture of both, then it was always about discipline and hard work and, and like that all the time, it might be different. But I, I will give it to them. They did teach me, a, I was just talking to my mom today and she, we were talking about things and she said, um, you know, it's funny. She says, I always pushed you to get good grades. And there's something really great about that because that shows that they care and it shows you to work hard. 
But then there's also a problem with that as well. Psychologically, that can hurt a child because if you're saying that all of their worth only comes from this one thing, that's not, well, that's not even correct, right? So there should be more well-roundedness. There should be other reasons why uh, a child or a human should be of value and not just because of getting good grades. And let's be honest, right. what does that even mean anyways these days? Right. My mom was extremely strict on me with sports, with school. I got moved up a grade and, you know, she would always hammer in my head. You have to be smart. You have to be smart. Never use her looks, you know, be independent. She was one of these kind, kind of moms. And I remember being like 13 and, and I was like exhausted. And I was like, mom, I don't want to play softball anymore. I'm tired. I want to just relax, you know. Eventually, I ended up quitting. And you think you want this life of leisure and this life of, you know, hanging out and stuff. And as a teenager and a young adult, when I moved to New York City, I retaliated a little bit against her because I was free. I could do whatever I wanted. I didn't have somebody, you know, forcing me to do, to be disciplined, to do, you know, the hard work, right? Yeah. Um, and I retaliated. And at the time, you think it's kind of like, uh, the temptation of just having fun. Right. And then you look back and you're like, man, if I would have stayed disciplined, I would have maybe done more. I maybe would have, you know, accomplished something different in this area of my life. Um, and I think a lot of people, and I think a lot of young men too, are kind of, um, in that trap of pleasure of things coming easy of, you know, the video games, uh, laziness when it comes to even dressing, you know, growing up, my dad was a pilot and we had to dress up to go to the airport and no one ever, people are always wearing their pajamas, right? There's just kind of like this lazy culture that we have because things have totally. become so accessible. And I love your suits. I mentioned to you earlier, you look so great in your, in your suits and your whole, image that you have. And I love seeing you on TikTok. You have such a like masculine, like confident aura about you. Do you think that if men put more effort into dressing nice and wearing suits that they would feel better and, and get more luck? Do you think that there's something to be said about that? Well, I think it's going to do two things for you. One, it's not easy to do it, right? It's, it is a lot of, first of all, you got to get the suits or the nice clothes, so you got to have the money to spend on and you got to work hard to get the money. Then you got to remember to do it. Then you got to remember that not only to do it, but it's going to be a little uncomfortable because not everyone else is doing it. So I think that it's going to help you with, it's going to help men with discipline. So it's actually make them more disciplined to do something like that. I even have a challenge that I give guys. It's called trips 30 day challenge. And part of that challenge is every day wearing the nicest clothes that you have to one, like I just said, increased discipline, but two, it's going to make you feel better. And it does. It does for everybody. When you, when you dress nice and when you think you look better, you're going to just have more confidence and you're going to act in a way that's more confident. And you're just going to act in a way that is, it's like, it's like a little hack. Like it helps you achieve higher because you feel so good about yourself, right? Confident people will act differently than someone who's not confident. They will go for more, achieve more, act in a different way. So yeah, it is something I started to do lately. You said, you said earlier, you're like, you think it's something that you started to do because 
because you got married? And I said, no, I don't think that was exactly it. I think it was a little bit of a coincidence, but I don't know. I'm not sure. I think that it was, I look back at all my videos and I think I was being lazy. Mm. You know, I was, and I still do produce a lot of content and I look back and I'm like, what, what am I, what am I wearing there? Like why, you know, I, I want to, I'm trying to, to make change in guys' mindsets and I'm trying to influence. And it took this long, way too long in my opinion, to, to really understand that I believe to be someone of influence, to be an influential character, you have to strive for the best. And that one of those factors is looking your best. So after all the clicks that it had to take and pushing myself mentally, I was like, it's time to, to dress to put on something nice, to put on something that's going to make me feel good and, you know, hopefully motivate others to just do excellence in all the areas of their life. Something that I'm always striving for and still working on and hope other people do too, especially the guys that I talk to and follow me. Maybe since you got married, you took, you started taking life more serious because now you have this responsibility to your wife. Maybe, I don't know. Just, Maybe. Uh, no, hey. I, idea out there. On a conscious level, I want to say no, but on a subconscious level, all this could be correct. Because that is, it is strange, right? It's like, huh, once I was getting into that about to get married, married phase, it, all of a sudden it's weird. Everything looks a little bit different. Um, so I don't know. It, it, it could be. Well, marriage is a status change, right? I mean, it is. True. It is a status change. And they say that men get taken more seriously at work when they're married. They get more opportunities when they're married. They get more respect, some would say, when they're married. So maybe unconsciously. More passes from women, probably. Yeah. What's up with that? Men who are married get hit on more than single men. Well, I mean, I have an answer. I'm curious. Do you have any thoughts? Yeah, for sure. Because I saw it a lot when I lived in New York City. I think the first thing is, is I think women say, oh, he's a, he's a guy that can commit and actually follow through and actually uh, be married. And I want a guy like that. So I'm going to go, I'm going to go to him because he's already created that life for himself. I think some women, of course, they have this unconscious need for competition or desiring things that they can't have. Exactly. Uh, childhood, of course. And I think that married men are also more successful, of course, than single ones. So I think that, you know, those three are probably a good Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I agree with all that. I was going to say the last one that you said, but I mm-hmm. agree with all that that you just said there. But yeah, in my opinion, especially wanting what they can't have. Do you think we have a moral crisis in this country? Be more specific. Well, the amount of, I guess, corn addiction, OnlyFans, cheating. They say men and women are now cheating at equal rates. I think you did a video on this, mm-hmm. on women's infidelity, on women chasing married men, for one. Yeah, there's a um, whole book on it, yeah. Yeah, do you think that it's gotten progressively worse? In my opinion, some of the data does say that. And in my opinion, I think that it has. And I think that it's because we have, I mean, there's so much. Uh, One, we have more access to people than we ever have. 
we're able to see more potential suitors or mates for us than more than anyone in the history of the world. You can just go on Tinder and see a thousand people in a day, which is insane. Like our brains were not able to handle that. So I think that that adds to this, the grass is always greener. I think that, like we said earlier, women have become more entitled and their standards have risen. And so they might seek outside of their relationship more and act on their hypergamous nature, which means that they're always trying to date up. Let's be honest. I mean, I guess if we seek it, we seek it. But with sites like Ashley Madison and the, at a click of a button, you can just find someone to hook up with. So yeah, I think, I think it has been an issue. I don't think that it's something that can't be fixed though. I think it, technology is always growing at an insane exponential rate and it's just going to get crazier. And so we have to deal with what we need to deal with in ourselves to hopefully fix that, i.e. paradox of choice, porn addiction, things of that nature. Speaking of the paradox of choice, great book, by the way, highly recommend it to all out there. There's something in there that talks about labeling people as maximizers and sufficers. So what's happening now is you're either a maximizer or you're a sufficer. So a maximizer, someone who always wants the best. Okay, we're going out to dinner tonight. Okay, what's the, we need the best, the best place. Look at all the reviews, check everything, look at it all. Okay, I'm going to be with the best person to marry, to date. I want everything to be the best ever, whatever category you want. Those people are generally known to be more unhappy than the average person because it almost is like they can't, because their disappointment is so much higher when they don't get what they want. Yeah. When they're trying to maximize. Yeah, that makes, I I love that. That makes sense too, because um, it's hard to make you happy. Right. Exactly. It's, you're hard. You're, you're hard to please. <laughs> and you can always be searching. You know, I was talking to a friend of mine about this the other day. She's kind of like dating two guys. They both know about each other, and just kind of like one's like long distance. He's in another country, and one there. Anyway, it's a complicated situation. But one of them has like great green flags here and then red flags here. And then the other one has, you know, kind of the opposite. They're very opposite men. One's a ruler and one's a manager. And she's like, which one? Obviously, the manager is better better for her because she's a queen. But you can look at my point is, is that you can attract in a, a million great men, but they're all going to have something wrong with them. And people have the problem of well, which one do I choose or how do I choose? Or what if I choose the wrong one? So then they don't choose any of them and then they wind up single. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Do you think men have this problem as well? To a degree. To a degree. I don't think it's as much as, as women because, because women have generally more options. So anyone who's going to have more options it's harder to choose, right? I go into the grocery store and I'm in the mood for some cereal. There's 30 different kinds of cereals. How do I pick the best one? 
I guess I got to try them all out. I got to compare them. I have so many options. This is amazing, right? So you not, you end up defaulting to a place where it's just harder to choose. For men, we don't have that many options. We are not, most of us are not able to get as many dates as, as a woman. We are not able to have sex as fast as a woman, like not even close. So therefore, just by default there, men are not, you know, men are not as, as choosy. I have two more questions for you. My first one is, do you think a woman's body count is really that important to most men? Yes. Yeah, hundred percent. And do you think a woman should be picky about a man's body count? Should she be picky about it? No, I don't think so. I don't, I, I just don't, it, it, it's just a lot different for, for men than it is women. I mean, but isn't that a double standard? If you can say, oh, I've had sex with 100 women, but I want a woman who is a virgin, and then that virgin is now hooking up with a guy that's had sex with 500 women, and now she's cre- he's created all of these, as I would call them, soul ties, soul connections, STDs, yeah. kudos, with all of these women. And she's supposed to just take all of that energy on and accept that. Well, whether we talk about accepting or not accepting, I just think it's, it's just how we are. I don't think women care as much as a man does. Mm. I mean, there's extremes, right? It's like guy tells a woman, oh, it's up to 200 women. It's like, well, that's on the extreme end. I can maybe see how a woman would be like, whoa, that's a lot, you know? Yeah. Um, but most men are not sleeping with 200 women. I'll I tell see. you that right now. So, but I think that a man will just naturally be more unattracted to a woman who has slept with more partners. It's interesting. I guess we can call it a double standard, sure, but it's just the way that we'll react to it. Yeah, I know for me personally, I think if I met a man who had slept with like the whole community, I would be totally turned off. And I know a lot of women would feel the same way. I mean, of course, some women wouldn't care, but I think women are kind of similar to a degree that we don't want a man who slept with everybody because that makes him kind of seem dangerous and very lured in by temptation. And those two together make us feel like, how can I trust you if you'll sleep with any woman that comes around, I guess? Yeah, maybe. But I think that still pulls them in and still attracts them. I'm not saying that they might not get turned off by it, but I also think that it's going to actually affect their actions. I think that a lot of them generally would still be with a guy who's, let's put it this way, a celebrity, a Brad Pitt, a Leonardo DiCaprio. These men have slept with God knows how many women, especially Leo, right? We just know that. Yeah. How many women are really turned off by that? Leo's knocking on your door. Are you going to be like, well, he's really just like, he slept with a lot of women. You might say that, but I don't know if you're thinking about it that much. Would you agree with that? If Leo knocked on my door... You know, for me, or insert whatever celebrity you want. Yeah. I guess for me, I feel like I wouldn't be able to open up to that celebrity and open my heart up to them because I know how they are and how they're promiscuous and how they don't have long lasting relationships. And to me, that would be a risky bet on my heart. I'd rather have a safe guy who I know is solid and stable and not going to be sleeping with everybody or leaving me for the next model or whatever. I probably wouldn't go personally down that path myself. Um, But I think I'm a little bit more, 
I'm just in a different place in my life, I think now. Maybe when I was younger, sure. But I think if I'm looking for a man who's going to be my husband, Leonardo DiCaprio wouldn't be, or a celebrity, I should say, wouldn't be somebody that I would say is a great option for me, even if they're rich and famous. Yeah. Okay. You make an interesting point there. Yeah. It's possible due to your age. Uh, but it's interesting what you said. A lot of those other women probably would. And I guess my point is, is that when it comes to a man having the attractive qualities, a woman can look over the fact that he's slept with a lot of women and backwards rationalize why she should be with that guy. And because she's going to be attracted to a guy who has that status and that power. Well, let me switch the the roles here. What Let's if do you, it. what if now Giselle is single, right? I mean, she's of course a mom of, of I think three, but let's say she's known in the industry. I'm not saying she is cause I don't know, but let's say she's known in the industry of before Tom Brady of being a very promiscuous woman. Would you say that she was really promiscuous in her early days and slept with all these men and then married how would you feel about her now? Well, first of all, it's interesting that that doesn't, that's not a thing, right? It's like you had to make that up. You had to say, let's imagine that Giselle slept with all those people. But maybe she did. Maybe okay, she well, did sleep with it, I, I know supermodels who are famous who definitely slept around a who lot. Like ran and trains. If, yeah, and if, then, yeah, sure. I mean. And yeah, then, I think a guy would, 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 would want to sleep with her for sure. And that's about it. But then they ended I, up marrying like quote-unquote, high-value men. So well, do you sure think men just don't know or they just don't care? I Well, that's interesting. I wonder, yeah, they, they probably don't know. They probably don't know. I think there's exceptions there. I think generally speaking, if a man meets a woman who knows for a fact that she has slept with a ton of guys, he'll be interested in sleeping, maybe, he'll be interested in sleeping with her. But doubtfully we'll get into a relationship with that, with that woman. Mm. And one more question, cause I know you have to go. Yeah. Do you think relationships work best when a man is a provider? I think it's going to work. Okay. Yes. Bottom line is yes. I think it works when someone is a provider. So someone should be probably doing it. It would work best that there's a leader, someone running it. And I think it's just more in a man's nature to do that. So if he's not in that role, it might ultimately not make him as happy as he could be. And same with a woman. I don't know if she's naturally going to like being in that role. I would say, I don't think I've ever met a woman who, and this is anecdotally speaking, but I've talked to a lot of women, never met anyone who wants who said they want to be the leader. They'll politically, they'll give the politically correct answer, which is, I want us to be equal. But she doesn't mean that either. She secretly wants him to be making more breadwinner. I've noticed that, you know, a lot of these creators say that high value men cheat more. But I've actually noticed the opposite. I've noticed that the women I know who've been cheated on, or I read stories on Reddit and stuff that pop up of like, you know, when I found out my husband or boyfriend was cheating on me. The majority of the time, those women are financially providing for the man. And the man goes out and cheats because, A, he has no responsibility. He's not busy. And he, he doesn't have money. He doesn't feel like a man. He's 
depending on a woman financially. So he feels like a loser. So he needs to get his ego stroked elsewhere because she's probably not making him feel like much a man, right? So he goes out and sleeps around. So I've actually noticed that men who aren't on the up and up tend to stray more than men that are focused on their goals and could be absolutely that that theory sounds sounds pretty legit it sounds like that could make sense and real quick back to what we were saying too is that's interesting right like I'm, i'm it still kind of blows my mind as i as i learn all this stuff still i've never heard one woman say that they want to make more they might say equal they might say less I've never heard one woman say they want to make more. Does it exist? I'm sure it does. But I've never heard it. I have a couple Something of, to be said about that. Yeah. No, that, that is an They might say they want whatever they're doing to make a lot of money or they want to achieve in their career. But specifically, do they want to make more than the guy? I think that's pretty rare. I, I can think of one girl who makes more than her boyfriend, but now they run a company together. She still makes more, but I think he has a dominance to him. He's like a Middle Eastern man and and has kind of a masculine quality and he supports her. And she has an ego about her where she always wants to, she's kind of famous, always wants to be seen. And he kind of is like her support system. And I think she kind of likes that because it makes her feel in control because she's always felt out of control. She's had a lot of trauma with men. I think women who want to be, the leader typically have been abused by men or sexually abused by, or something. They have some sort of a complex with men that are above them in some way. Interesting. I, I did have a client who is a millionaire and she wanted a man who made more than her. That was her like standard. Um, and she had a bunch of other really high standards and she ended up meeting a guy who makes six figures. He doesn't make as much as her, but she has all these ways that she's kind of like, helping him and assisting him to like build up his wealth. And now she's like, well, if we get married, we can build wealth together because I have the skills. I have the strategy. She's a queen archetype. So now she, since she likes him a lot and he's very um, sensitive to her needs, which a queen needs, she's starting to see that, Hey, the ruler actually butts heads with me and it's not as easy to be around as the manager guy is. Now she's kind of relinquished the idea that I have to be with somebody richer than me because he makes up for it in other ways. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I, I'm going to, I'm going to continue my personal poll and continue to ask women that question Love it. of what they think. Maybe awesome. we can report back. Well, thank you so much, Trim. Always a pleasure talking to you and thank you so yeah. much for coming on and, and having a dialogue with me today. And if you guys want to check out his YouTube channel, his TikTok, his Instagram, or book a session with him, his information will be in the description box down below.